Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest in our series of ISE podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about student attitudes to DNI, and I've got a great panel um, lined up who I'll introduce you to um, very, very shortly. My name is Steve Isherwood. I'll be acting as host, and I'm the chief executive of the ISE. Through our series of podcasts and webinars, we aim to bring you as much up to the minute market intelligence on, on what's happening and everything to do with student recruitment and development. And of course, diversity inclusion has always been a really significant priority for our industry, but very much even more so, particularly with the Black Lives Matter campaign over, over the summer. So let's introduce the panel. I'll go through the list as I've got them on, um, on my agenda here. So let's start with our students, first of all. Joy, do you want to kick us off? Just give us a little bit of introduction to yourself. So my name is Joy Okeo. I'm a second year pharmacy student at Cardiff University, and I'm also a brand ambassador for the global pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca. Thank you, Joy, and welcome to, to your first ISE podcast. Um, Shweb, would you like to go next? Hi, my name's Shweb. Um, I'm a fourth year geography student at Durham University. I've just completed an industrial placement year with RMP Enterprise in their marketing department, and to work with them part-time throughout my final year at uni. Fantastic. Thank you, Shweb, and welcome to the podcast. And um, Emma from RMP. Emma, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Emma Miles. I'm a client partner at RMP Enterprise, and my main role is working with employers on attraction and recruitment marketing strategies. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Emma. Right, let's get stuck in straight away. So um, we've got a loose agenda. We'll follow back always with our ISE podcast. We try to keep the conversation informal. And also at the end of the podcast, those of you listening, if you've got any questions, want to get in touch with any of our, our panellists, then please do just drop me an email. Um, so, Emma, can I start with you first? Despite or maybe even because of COVID-19, you know, DNI remains a top priority for employers. What is your research telling us about um, student perceptions of this issue? Yeah, definitely. So I think first it tells us that DNI is just as important to students as it is to employers. I think it was actually in, in the ISC, Stephen, it's probably a couple of years ago now. I think uh, it was 96% of employers said that DNI was one of their top priorities. And for students, 95% said that they felt that DNI is really important in the workplace. So, yeah, I think firstly, the main thing is that it's just as important to students as it is to employers. I think that's a really important message to start with. Now, in terms of perceptions, I think I think perceptions have probably changed um, quite a bit over the past few months on everything to do with getting work in general. But we did ask a lot of questions about what DNI actually means to students, how they see that fitting into the world of work. So. In terms of like by definition, uh, students said to us that they felt DNI was essentially giving everyone equal opportunities and not discriminating against anyone based on characteristics, demographics, or social factors. So that was really interesting seeing their definition of what DNI actually means to them. Leading on from that, I think I think a big thing that came out, and I think one of the most shocking things for us when we were analysing all of the research was there's a bit of a disconnect between how many employers are now asking for diversity information, things like gender, ethnicity, on application forms, and actually what students think about being asked that information and do they understand why that information is asked of them. So it was actually just under 50% of students told us that they didn't, they didn't understand why that information was being asked of them. 
So it raises quite an interesting point around, well, if they don't know why this information is being asked, do they agree with it at all? Do they, do they, how do they feel about being asked that question? So yeah, re really mixed perceptions as well around things like events um, and targeted events. So you probably have it quite a lot with the employers you work with, and I know I certainly do, but for DNI, employers often will do events specifically for certain demographics or to kind of increase participation among certain groups as part of their kind of campus strategy or overall digital strategy, as we've seen this year. So as part of the research, we wanted to find out students' perceptions on these events. This was actually probably one of the most conflicting responses from the research. And even now, um, we're often finding ourselves when coming up with our events plan really going back in and delving back into that data. But we asked about different types of events. So we asked things like gender-focused events, events by ethnicity, and we also asked about events targeting students from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. And as I say, it was, it was really mixed feedback on this. So I think it was about, yeah, 53% of students said they either agreed or strongly agreed with targeting females, for example, for events. So that's quite interesting to see because I know we see quite often a lot of kind of female focused events, either on campus or like digital events focused on that. And then when we asked about perceptions on events by ethnicity and we, and we broke this down, for BAME students, about 54% said they agreed with employers targeting them um, for these type of events. But to conflict that, just about a quarter said they actually do not agree with this practice at all. So that's really interesting, I think, understanding students' perception of these events that employers may have just been doing, you know, with the view of we're granting additional access or we're making sure that we're, you know, being more accessible and inviting lots of groups in. But actually, student perceptions are quite mixed. A lot are, are in favour of these events and do find them really useful. But there are also uh, quite a large portion, really, of students that aren't, aren't necessarily so sure of this practice. One of the other things that's probably worth mentioning on this question as well is around social mobility. So I think this is one, and, and Stephen, you might be able to answer something on this as well, but we don't always see so many events or activities that's centred around specifically social mobility or widening access for students from a lower socioeconomic background. But of all of the events that we asked the students about, they actually all said, no matter what demographic they were from, that they were more in favour of employers targeting based on lower socioeconomic background than they were with gender or ethnicity. Even more so when the student had come from um, a free school meal background or was the first gen to go to uni. Among this group, it was actually about 65% strongly agreed or agreed with that type of targeting. So gives us more confidence that that approach is favourable and, and is well perceived. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, one of the things I take away from that is that there is no one size fits all. You know, we are talking about diversity and inclusion to say that, you know, a, an entire group of people wants to be communicated in one way. must be critical to try and do that. Um, mm. And interesting what you said about social mobility. I think sometimes employers are almost a little bit nervous about not nervous about saying that we're targeting those groups, but I think nervous sometimes that people want to self-identify in that way, which I think um, can be a challenge sometimes when you're doing stuff on campus. Just going on what you're saying, Anna, so from what you, you've heard from students, what do you think are the key areas that employers, the key concerns employers need to tackle? Yeah, really good question. So I think I think there's probably 
a fair few and, and I think what is great is a lot of employers are already doing some amazing things and with DNI being such a big focus for so many employers you can see how it has how you know the processes and their their outreach has really progressed over the past few years so I think yeah, the message here is that you know employers are doing some really great things but what the students are telling us there is still that disconnect on you know why information is being asked of them and, and what it's being used for so I think the first and foremost thing that I would say to employers is if you are going to ask for diversity information you need to be really really clear on not only what you're going to capture but also why you're capturing it I think it's so important with data in general especially sensitive data that students know what that information is being used for and why you're asking it so for example you know is it just so that you can monitor if your marketing is working and if you're getting enough applications from all backgrounds? Are you actually going to be using that data to do some targeted marketing with it? Are you reporting that evidence back to the government? Like, what are you doing with that information? I think is, is super important, not only to the students, but generally for you as an employer and internally to understand how that data is being used. I'd really like, you know, if we were to do this survey again for that number on that 48% of students that do not know why that information is being asked. I'd really love to see that number go up and students to really understand the DNI agendas of employers and understand what that data is used for. So I think that is a really, really important one. And some of the things that came out of the survey as well was were quite shocking around what students thought that information was going to be used for. So for example, um, we looked at the respondents, we, we broke it down by BAME and we also broke it down more specifically to black students. And for black students, only 28% of students actually said they knew why this information was being asked. And in the BAME community more generally, about 20% said that when employers ask for personal information, it's used to identify who would not fit in. So I think that just echoes how important it is to A, really question if you need this information, but B, be so clear on why you're using it, especially if you know that one student thinking that is too many, 20% is far too many um, students worrying about what that information is used for. So I think that would be probably one of my biggest recommendations based on the research. It's really concerning, isn't it? I mean, God, I mean, I'm showing my age now, but I'm, at least 20 years employers have been collating this data. From my own experience, it's not why you collate it, you collate it. It's actually to show sometimes how bad a job you're doing and how much more you need to do in, in this area. Yeah, it's really worrying that people think that's why. Um, and I think yeah. employers risk not being tackling that. I remember when I spent a day and I remember a few years ago working with a charity that was working with blind students and we did a session with some blind students and I asked them why they weren't applying for some of these jobs. And they said, well, we won't be looked at. And I said, well, employers ask for mitigating circumstances. We, we don't believe that they read it. And you kind of think, God, that's a, that's a real worry. But there's that level of distrust, really. Let's call it out for what it is around why employers are creating this data because that's not where it comes from. Yeah, we asked around kind of when do you feel comfortable sharing information, be that kind of sexuality or what you said there earlier, Stephen, about do, do people feel comfortable saying they had free school meals or they were the first in their family to go to university? Like, do students feel comfortable, you know, divulging that information? And a lot of employers are asking that right, right at the start of that process now, perhaps not even an application, but even if students, you know, registering for an event, they want to know that information. And I think the majority of students, don't get me wrong, I think it was about 61% did say that they understand that 
employers are using it to understand how diverse their candidates are but there are still those dangerous perceptions on how that information is used and how comfortable students are in sharing it. And then I've got another question for you, but I'll come back to it. I think this is a really good time to go over to Joy and Shweb. I think one of the dangers of our industry, we spend all this time talking about students, but actually we should be, um, you know. That's why we did the survey. We were like, what do students think? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, Joy and Shweb, just before I get into a little bit about some of the things Emma was talking about, um, why don't you just give us a bit of a, a background, I guess, into where you're at with your um, career thinking and how coronavirus has impacted you? Because um, I mean, we all see the press. Um, some of those listening to this podcast are working on campus and with students, but many are employers who are trying to connect with students. And of course, um, like most of us, are are working from home. It is certainly um, not a normal year by any stretch of the imagination. So, Joy, can I just ask you how coronavirus has impacted your career plans, your your aspirations, if it has at all? Yeah, so it has definitely impacted my career plans and aspirations. I think it's given me a wider idea of the career paths that I can actually pursue with my pharmacy degree. And this was mainly due to the fact that um, during this pandemic, a lot of employer events have shifted online. And this gave me the opportunity to be able to attend them because normally they take place around the country. I'm not able to attend because of difficulties with traveling. So just having them online has definitely helped me to definitely explore my career options a lot more. For example, um, over the summer holiday, I was able to attend a virtual e-conference from the International Pharmaceutical Students Federation, where they looked at the pharmacy profession in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. And this e-conference really allowed me to see the work that pharmacists are doing in different settings, in the hospital, in the community, in industry, and in various other settings as well. And just to kind of understand what they're doing and see where I could fit in there in the future and try to get an idea of you know what I want to do in the future and I think it's definitely helped me with that and that's just only one example I did attend quite a lot of employer events over the summer but um, through that I think it helped me to identify that I am quite interested in pursuing a career in industry perhaps as an industrial pharmacist and with the current situation with lockdown, you know, everybody had a bit more time on their hands, as did I. So it just gave me an opportunity to explore like what I can do to actually, you know, take the next steps in terms of trying to, to make sure that I can enter the in industrial career path. And so one of these things was actually becoming an AstraZeneca brand ambassador. And this is a really great opportunity for me, not only to help students, like in terms of connecting them to their career opportunities but also just in terms of exploring career opportunities for myself because uh, I, di I didn't know that there were so many opportunities within the pharmaceutical industry for pharmacy students. I did have the perception that I did need to complete pre-registration training and um, there wasn't kind of options in, within graduate roles for me so just taking on this role has definitely helped me with that and uh, I think the pandemic kind of did so yeah it helped me a lot in terms of career plans and aspirations. This is obviously, this is a podcast, so you can't do anything, but actually, um, as we record this, we're actually, most of us got our video cameras on, and Adam at AstraZeneca will be proud to see that you've got your AstraZeneca hoodie on at the moment, I'm, I'm sure, Joy. So you've, you've done a degree that's got a pretty clear vocational outcome, and I know that actually um, the country, even before the pandemic, was facing a shortage of pharmacists. Um, but what about your friends? Are they, are they as engaged as you are in the jobs market? Because you sound pretty positive and pretty clear about where things are going. Do you think that would be fair to say that's the same for your friends on campus? I think some of them have also engaged with employer events, but some of them 
are, have been facing a lot of anxiety. A few of my friends have actually faced um, postgraduate depression, and it's been quite a difficult situation, especially for graduates. They've just said how, you know, leaving school in itself, leaving university after being within education for such a long time is hard enough in itself. But also doing this within a pandemic has been really difficult. And there's been a lot of anxiety towards, will I actually be able to secure a graduate job? And if I do, what if I'm furloughed? What if they terminate the job? And it's easier to do, they think that it's easier to do that with people who are at entry level rather than people at more advanced levels. So there's a lot of anxiety with students around, you know, securing a job. And that's not only just with my friends who have just graduated, but it's also with my friends who are like in second year, like I am. For example, some of them had secured internships over the summer, but they've gotten cancelled because of coronavirus. So they've missed out on that experience despite spending a lot, quite a lot of time doing those application processes. And that just kind of creates a little bit of fear within students that when I come to applying for graduate roles, am I going to have enough work experience? I've not really had the chance to get enough you know, work experience that I would have gotten if there was no pandemic. Yeah, and I think that's the flip side. I mean, Emma and I were talking about numbers, and of course, we've been only this week we've been putting out all our um, the IC numbers on what's happening in the graduate market. But then, when you talk about numbers, it's easy to forget the the lived experience of people that are going through this. And, um, and things you're saying, you know, to some extent, was all being sort of you know in the second lockdown, we're all even more removed from this than we might be anyway. Sorry, can I just just turn to you? Obviously, um, as I said, Joyce got you know um, her degree is. I guess um, if pharmacy is a bit more um, as a natural vocational outcome than than yourself doing doing geography, but where are you at? How has coronavirus affected what your career plans are and what your current thinking is? So I think generally, kind of um, across the student and myself included, there's a lot more instability around not only university life but also the job market, and also that creates a lot of confusion. So in terms of not only the types of jobs that are available, but also Students think about things like location jobs and the fact the financial aspect of that is, is a major concern for a lot of students who haven't been able to work over the last nine months during the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. So there's issues of kind of confusion around the future and what that might hold, but also about job security. A lot of um, students are particularly concerned. The kind of word on campus this year has been the phrase panic masters. Um, a lot of students are considering a master's when they weren't before uh, because it is in time and during that time they can gain a bit more security about what they what they get into when they enter the workplace to have completed industrial placement here. And because of that, I have some experience under my belt. But otherwise, CV building opportunities university has been limited for students. For example, I was planning to work with a few societies, be the community officer for my college, also partake in a part-time internship whilst at university. And because, as you mentioned, my degree doesn't have a strict career path that follows, I was focused on building my marketing skills through these different initiatives and extracurricular activities have all been limited um, by the COVID. I think a benefit, though, to, to lighten the mood a little bit, is that what we have a, a real like effort from employers to ensure that students are missing out on opportunities. Um, I think a lot of students have been really impressed by the transition of, of in-person networking events and in-person internships into the digital space. What that has also brought about is 
an increased kind of proactivity from students to take any opportunity that they can because of this impending kind of instability. So I personally completed a few online trips over the summer, also uh, took part in a few online courses. So all these kind of things that are emerging within kind of the new normal, I think students are really latching onto because long term, especially final year students, we're unsure where we'll be within a year's time. So at the moment, it's just a case of taking every opportunity that comes your way, obviously whilst balancing a dissertation and basic life and also mental health, which, you know, huge across the student body. And I think a lot of students have been left feeling somewhat neglected within the kind of the wider pandemic. University life has come to a halt. Most students are still paying their full fees, their accommodation. But in fact, what we're getting is a virtual learning experience with no societies, no opportunity for in-person interaction, limited opportunity to uh, resources such as uh, apps, um, music equipment, sports equipment. That's interesting you say that. Tony, we've done a couple of things on it and I'm hearing it coming up as a subject more and more as employers thinking about not just the, the mental health of their existing employees, of course, who are also working remotely, but if you're going to be starting a, a job, all the usual things like, you know, getting um, your graduate intake together, you know, off-site in a hotel or something for a big induction, etc. You just can't do that. I mean, starting, starting work full-time is a challenge anyway, let alone in, in an environment like this. Um, it's the first time I've heard the phrase panic masters. I know exactly what you mean, but I've not heard it um, described like that. Yeah, I think we'll see more people doing masters. Um, it's something that we get asked about quite a lot. So there's nothing wrong with it. What we say is students should go into that with their eyes wide open because I think one of the things that um, I'm not going to slip into careers advice mode, but one of the advantages, of course, of the UK market is lots of employers don't really care what people study. So actually, you know, my background working for the big four, you know, we would quite actually quite like geography students actually because you've got a good mixture of um, analytical skills and, and data skills. Um, can I just go back to you, Joy? Um, I'm interested um, what your perspectives are on the DNI agenda. Listening to some of the things that Emma said that showed that the research of you know what your fellow students might think about the agenda. What do you think about what employers do? Is it something that resonates with you, or do you have concerns about what employers aren't or aren't doing on campus at the moment? I think um, one of the things that really jumped out at me when I read the report was that 20% of BAME students think employers collect personal information to identify who wouldn't fit into organisations. I think that's really quite saddening because students shouldn't be made to feel like their ethnic background is a barrier to accessing a job. But I kind of understand if they do ask you a question like on your ethnicity during the application process, students you know, they're prone to think, why are they asking me that? And for some people might think, okay, maybe it's to identify that I wouldn't fit into the organization. And I think it's easy to think that because when you see a lot of organizations, you don't see a lot of people who are like you if you're from an ethnic background. So you think, okay, they're going to ask me that so that, you know, they don't have people like me even thinking that maybe they're just asking me this because they want to increase their diversity stats and maybe they're trying to look for more people from a diverse background from that. And I think that's quite challenging because it can make you feel like even if you apply for the job, even if you're qualified, maybe they've just taken you on just to increase their diversity stats, not because you're actually qualified for the job. So I think that was 
something that was really interesting for me from the report. And I definitely agree with Emma that employers do need to state why they're using that information because otherwise, you know, students start making assumptions and those assumptions can even stop them altogether from applying or stop them from attending an employer event. And that would be like a, a big shame because they get to, they miss out on opportunities or even if they do go ahead later on having imposter syndrome, thinking maybe I'm just here because they wanted to increase their diversity stats. But I think still uh, there was another point about employer events that are targeted events, for example, having events for women. And there were quite a wide range of uh, results on like what people thought about that. But personally, I think that targeted events are great. It's not too much to be like, oh, we're just targeting this group because of something negative, but it's more like we're trying to increase our diversity. We're trying to foster a more inclusive environment. So we're trying to, you know, get it across to these students that there are opportunities available for you and you're good enough to apply for them. You're good enough to get them. And having those events is really nice because sometimes when you have, you know, employer events that aren't targeted and you, again, you see so many people who aren't like you, you think, should I really apply? Because that's not I'm like people who are like me are not really applying. So maybe there's an issue there. And even if I do get onto the program, like how many people like me will be there? Will I made to be feel welcome? But if you have like a targeted event, you see like there's so many other people who are like you who are interested in the company's actually really trying to increase the diversity and inclusion, which I think is great. It's funny, isn't it? Just listening to Emma's analysis of the data and just listening to your own experience. And I was involved in another webinar early this week with a couple of students of Black Heritage. And, and they were saying, again, it's, it's this real difficulty of getting the message right from employers because using the words like targets kind of sounds like, well, you're not recruiting me because I'm the best person. And if an employer can't get people that students can relate to out to events, that that can go um, a little bit flat as well or perceived the wrong way. And it's funny talking to employers, you hear, well, actually part of the reason we're targeting more diverse groups is because we haven't got enough people from those diverse groups in the business. So actually it's it's quite hard to get people on campus. It sounds like it's quite difficult for students and employers to misconstrue each other's in, intentions on this. Um, do you see enough from employers or do you think employers could be doing a lot more in this kind of area? I think that we all as a society could do more. Um, but yes, employers could do more. You know, echo what I said earlier, employers are doing some great things. And I think Joy's personal experience there is, is awesome to hear that those targeted events are, you know, helping her and she's enjoying them because that's something that, I mean, I hadn't seen until about three years ago where I saw employers starting to do some events like that. So employers are doing some great things. I think there's always more they could do. And, and Joy mentioned it around, you know, visibility. And I, I think it was really nice the way she expressed it, like, are there going to be people like me there? And, you know, like me can mean so many things. It could be, you know, personality, it could be race, it could be gender, sexuality, it could be so many things. And yes, it is sometimes hard to present all of those things at an event or present all of those things at a recruitment fair. I think one of the things that I, I wish we could see more of is 
making content um, that the employers are working and creating and showcasing be more reflective of what it's actually like to work at the employer and what the people are actually like there. There's been some great examples. I'm going to reference a few employers. I hope you don't mind me name dropping a couple. Um, but the likes of kind of enterprise, EY do some amazing things around kind of showcasing their people and showcasing the different types of people in their organisation and how there's a real sense of belonging and inclusivity. I think more employers could do a lot more with content to showcase that message. Yeah, I always say this as well, like, don't forget about the eye. We talk about diversity so often and, you know, diversity isn't just adding and you know what is your ethnicity on a on a application form with a privacy statement on gdpr it's having you know an overarching mission of what is your company mission around diversity and inclusion what do you do to not only recruit a diverse workforce but what are you doing to make that workforce feeling included and just as part of the organization as everybody else you'll very quickly lose the d like the diversity part of your organization if you're not making people feel included when they join you. I think that's a really big thing. And I think as well, in, in light of COVID, one thing that's really struck me, and this this came out a little bit in, in the research as well, around applications, I think, on the whole are, are up this year. And I know, Stephen, your survey shows that as well, and opportunities are down. And I think that from an accessibility point of view, that can be really difficult because if an employer is inundated with applications and say they need to close early or in general, a lot of employers have a really short application window and you're trying to get students that maybe you don't normally see a lot of um, and you don't recruit a lot of and be that diversity stats, demographic stats. If you're then closing your applications earlier or your, your application window is really short, you've then got to kind of reach out to that audience, support them at an event, get them to apply, make them feel like that they are confident enough to make that application. And I think that employers don't always do an, enough of the bit before, like the nurturing that talent and having a bit more of like an always on approach so that even if your roles aren't open, you know, in February, that you've still got great content out there. A student can still, you know, register to your mailing list and find out more about you. You can still attend an application hints and tips session in the summer when you're doing your research. I think employers do have a responsibility to make sure that that student that started off the year thinking I could never get a job at that company by the time that application windows are feeling really confident and feeling like they do belong and they do have a shot. I think there's more employers could do from that bit outside of the application window so that when they do open, they are naturally getting more diverse applications because more students are feeling really confident about their opportunity with getting a job there. Thanks, Emma. Shrey, just going back to yourself, Joy was saying what she what she was thinking about what the researchers said and how that impacted on students. Can I ask what, what your views are on the on the DNI agenda and how you think this resonates with yourself and your peers? You know, the things that we're talking about employers should be doing, as Emma said, or we know the stuff that they have been doing. Is it something that resonates with you personally? Is it something that um, you think is working at the moment? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think you know DNI is, is incredibly important. Like equality and comfort for people from maybe minority backgrounds, you know, it's the foundation of a decent workplace and a good company. And for students, you know, it's an expectation. It's something that we shouldn't have to demand. It should be seen and presented to us as the norm. However, I do think that um, you know, DNI has become a bit of a buzzword that has become so mainstream that it's almost diluted its intent and actual like, radical potential to enact real change. Um, I think we see diversity and inclusion, particularly around key kind of points in the academic year by employers. 
And I think, you know, those peak moments are recruitment processes and when application windows open. However, I think, you know, it's not a one-off strategy. It can't be contained within a single recruitment event, but rather it should be an ongoing thing that's reflected and embedded within company culture, something that circulates all aspects of the workplace and not just the recruitment process, but beyond that. I think Emma made a point about bringing like, that authenticity in the workplace. Students want to see this kind of content all year round. We, we want to you know, see companies who are doing this thing, not to tick the tick box, but rather to to foster a really inclusive atmosphere within their company. I think more and more students now are turning to social media, actually, to get familiar with companies. Company pages like Instagram is a really great way to articulate a company's culture. It, it reduces that kind of formality of a company website, and you're able to see the, the people behind it. I think that's really important. Again, with events in person as well, I think it's difficult to kind of attend a diversity and inclusion event and meet employers or representatives of employers who don't look like you or don't, you know, who aren't like me. I think that's something that's really big as well. Like if diversity and inclusion events are happening, we need to see, we need to see that representation, which I think is really, really important. And another thing, I think when I or any other student is able to enter kind of a workplace and not feel like and not feel like they stand out because of their race, because of their socioeconomic background, because of their sexuality, and don't feel like they're the only one person. I think that's the moment we can kind of overcome this debate around tokenism. And I think that's the moment in which students will actually feel really comfortable and trust employers in a way that at the moment I don't think is quite there yet. On Schwab's point as well, I think it's something I, I should have probably added and around accessibility is at a really granular level as well, employers need to think about which universities they are accessible and which, which universities they're being seen at and also looking at that degree agnosticism. I think you mentioned it earlier, Stephen, but you know, some of the really, they seem like big things, but small things employers could do is look at, do we actually need to have a 2-1? Do we actually need to have students from this certain degree background? And do we always go to the same university campuses every year? Because those three factors in itself, if you if you question those three things as an employer, you would immediately increase the diversity of your applicant pool. So I think that, I, I didn't mention that before, but at a granular level, those three things are really important factors too. So Shweb, you mentioned actually employers being on campus all year round, which is something that I've heard before, actually, and don't just rock up and do something Black History Month, etc. And one of the things that I've also heard um, students talk about is employers being actually much more active in, in helping students navigate through the selection process, particularly, actually, if they're very new to, I guess, this world of graduate recruitment that people like me, them, live and breathe, you know, day in, day out. Um, is that something you think you could, you could see employers doing more of? Yes, it's being there on campus more year round, but is there the opportunity to do things like mentoring to give people just a more in, bit more insight into actually you know, what these selection process and application forms are, are getting at? What's, what's your thoughts on that, Shway? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree with that. I think especially since we've kind of taken on this virtual working world at the moment, a lot of students are kind of jumping to LinkedIn or other platforms to begin to network with people virtually that they can't do in person anymore. I'm in quite a lucky and privileged position in the sense that I've worked and spent a year with a company that specialises in student recruitment and undergraduate talent. So I've been able to, you know, be exposed to different employers and recruitment practices and even, you know, wrote, wrote blogs on how to nail an interview. However, I have friends who, 
might have never done like an interview. You know, they might have done a part-time job interview, but it's very different when you translate that to a corporate firm who are looking for specific things. Um, I think that lack of exposure is something that employees can really support students with prior to the application process. So prior to that window opening, um, maybe hosting events that support students and, and give them tips and advice on how they can really bring them to their best selves to an interview or to an online application. I think also a lot of career departments in universities do a great job of this actually already. And I think that's almost a missing link at the moment that prevents students from applying to particular companies because they don't feel like they fit the mould of, of, of what that company is actually looking for. Got it. Can I just um, ask you long term, you, have you got any worries about the impact of, of this current pandemic on, on students like yourself and your career aspirations in the in the long term? I mean, it's very easy for people like me to say, oh, you know, I've seen recessions come and go and everything's pick up and everything will be will be fine in the end, um, which feels a bit blasé. But do you think there are long term implications for your generation sort of going through education at the moment? I think one of the things you mentioned is there just isn't that part-time work out there, let alone internships. You know, all the stuff that people did part-time work, working on campuses, societies, isn't isn't there. So anything in particular that worries you about the long term and maybe anything employers could do to help with that? Obviously, a huge financial aspect looming with us going into a recession at the moment. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of students haven't had that opportunity to be earning money at the moment. And a lot of students I know who have already paid for their rent for the year but because of the coronavirus, are actually living at home, but still paying that rent. And I think it's something that um, employers should just be more aware of when recruiting students. And what would be great to see from an employer, actually, is support with things like housing, and especially when students are moving to a new city. That is something that a lot of students are concerned about, um, like the financial aspect, cost of living, where to live. I think that's something that if, if employers could, you know, provide support with or even connect potential incoming graduates together, that's something that would be really beneficial. The instability of the job market is something that's quite big. I, I know a lot of my friends have actually been more involved and more proactive in learning digital skills at the moment. So I have a few friends who study geography and are taking online coding courses, for example, which is quite a big jump. But a lot of students are now more aware that we are working in a digital world and looking at which kind of jobs in the future will be secure in the long term. And that's something that I've done as well. You know, I've been learning more about Google Analytics and other types of IT and digital software rather than traditional forms of marketing, such as events or kind of in-person presentations. So I think there's definitely a pivot towards jobs that are likely to be more secure in the context of a pandemic. That's a really good um, point, Shreve. And actually, in that kind of thing, doing things, whether it's learning to code or doing something else, you know, showing that you've done something that's proactive. So when you do get into an interview situation, it shows that, you know, you haven't just sat there and been, been passive. You've kind of done best you can. You've done something for your, off your own steam. I keep meaning to myself to do a load, learn to do a coding course, but I haven't quite got around to it, around to it yet. Enjoy. Any thoughts on you about, I guess, the future and where this pandemic might lead to and what you and your friends are thinking at the moment? Yeah, so I think um, during this pandemic, there's been a lot of like financial insecurity among people. And I think this kind of can play into the job market a bit because, for example, employers are typically asking for a lot of work experience, but I think they should implement more contextualized hiring practices. So, for example, with people who are experiencing financial issues, then maybe they wouldn't have had the chance to undertake work experience because a lot of internships nowadays are unpaid. 
So I think if they have contextualized hiring, they can look into those issues rather than just saying, oh, you don't have work experience, so you're not very much like suitable for the job. There's a lot of instability at the minute, and that's going to affect students in the long term because, for example, some students might have had their eyes set on a specific career path, but they've now changed. I've had some friends have this situation where they wanted to do something, but now when they look at the job market, they've seen that when people enter that field, they're more likely to be put on furlough for their job to be terminated. So they've just kind of completely changed their career path and they've, they're trying to now enter jobs where they would feel more secure. Yeah, I think that's kind of affected students a lot. And you mentioned about like employers doing more to support students. And for example, at Cardiff, they're starting this new mentoring scheme where employers can essentially just mentor some students throughout a specified period of the year. And I think that will really help because students have so many concerns at this time. Already without a pandemic, there's so many concerns about transitioning from uni to graduate schemes or working. So having a mentoring scheme would really help them to kind of navigate through that and to see what kind of support is available to them if that's even like in terms of what's the living costs like in this city where can I live you know how can I get help with my application and so I think schemes like that where employers are actively trying to reach out to students and help them and address these issues would be really useful. Yeah and one of those things that shows that you're you're engaged um, in the long term as well I think from employers. Um, Emma, there's a lot more detail in your survey, isn't there, that we um, obviously we've only scratched the surface on in, um, in a short podcast like this. Is it something that, um, that anybody listening to this podcast can get hold of quite easily? Yeah, absolutely. I can I can share the link with you to send around with it. But, um, but also it's on if you just go on RMP Enterprise, um, there's a section called Research and White Papers. And the report is called Understanding Student Attitudes Towards Diversity and Inclusion. That's part of the reason we created this podcast was because we had to read that report. And yes, there's lots of really, really lots of useful learnings um, in there. Um, Emma, did we cover everything that you wanted to say, employers? Was there anything that we um, that we missed off just before we close? No, I, I think I think that was mainly it. Yeah, just around those three things around yeah degree agnosticism, not always requiring a T1, and and just looking at where the campuses you go to. I think that. I think sometimes employers are guilty of we've done really well there in the past, so we'll stay there. But often it's not always the the best institute for looking at where the best talent is and in terms of diversity. I also think universities have got a bit of a, a role to play in understanding the roles that are out there as well and understanding what the different employers are looking for. If there are any firms like banks, for example, that take tech students and also they take English students, you know, I think if you, the more that universities can armour themselves with that information, the more they can connect students with employers and the more they can make students that may not come from the exact mould they might think is right for an investment bank. Actually, they could be perfect for an investment bank. They just haven't felt like that opportunity has been presented to them. So, yeah, employers broadening their reach and also universities being really aware of the opportunities out there um, will just help to make students essentially feel more confident and feel like, yeah, I can apply and yeah, I can get a job. And it's not about where I come from and my background and what I look like. That's the goal. Fantastic. Excellent. Listen, that's been a really good conversation, um, everybody. Thanks very much. And thanks to you, Joy and Shui, for, um, for taking the time out and, and sharing your views, actually. And I think all of us, both Emma and myself, everybody listening to this podcast will be wishing you um, all the success. And this does sound a bit flippant, I do know, but recessions do end. You know, having worked through the financial crash 10 years ago, you know, it got um, pretty bad in the graduate market at one point, but 
things did eventually get back to normal and those um, job vacancies did start to reappear. And I think actually there are some opportunities in this pandemic. I mean, you mentioned employees being able to go to more universities. Actually, when travel and logistics are less of an issue, you can do it virtually. Actually, that's a great opportunity to reach out to a much broader um, network, which is something that we would highly recommend. Um, and I think the comments um, um, George Trevor made about the financial piece, actually that's something that I've not heard of quite so strongly before. And I think that's something that's a real issue employers need to address and absolutely unpaid internships, definitely not. We should be stamping that stuff out. So that's great, really great session. Thank you very much. If we were doing this live, we'd, be, we'd have a virtual round of applause for you all. So um, like I said, really great. Thank you very much for sharing the time today. Um, hopefully we'll be joining you in the flesh at some point soon in the new year, not just in the virtual world. Thank you very much. Thank you.